Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings your Garage Logic podcast number 816, March 23rd, 2022. We reached 83 degrees on this day in 1910. And it was four below in 1965, the spring of the Great Floods. And on this day... Today is March 23rd? In 1966, almost 12 inches of snow. Mm. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. May I? Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushman. Yeah, go ahead. So we have been for better part of a year, a year and a half or so, have been adding to videos to the Garage Logic YouTube page, mm-hmm. which I have urged a lot of dealers to subscribe to. Would you like to know what was the smash hit success of yesterday's episode? <laughs> what was it? You asking, um, how do you grow pickles? Oh. <laughs> they got an email about that. Oh. Uh. Well, you, you don't. You see, you grow cucumbers. Right. And then you uh, you turn them into pickles. Turn them into pickles. Imagine it was Don right here. Oh. Oh, I didn't mean to throw you off. I just thought you'd get a kick out of that. Garage Logic is on YouTube, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Please subscribe if you could. Here, it's from Doug, Doug the Barber. I think I might be able to help you understand how a cucumber can turn into a pickle. Here we go. First of all, imagine a cucumber <laughs> freshly picked from the garden. Then imagine combining the cucumber with vinegar. Then, with the significant passage of time, that cucumber changes. <laughs> then imagine combining that cucumber with salt. Then, with the significant passage of time, that cucumber again changes. Then, imagine adding dill, garlic, and mustard seed. And with the passage of time, slowly the cucumber changes to a pickle. And best of all, unlike pickled hard-boiled eggs, there is no carbon footprint left behind. You can check with Kenny about carbon emissions and hard-boiled eggs for clarification. Just imagine. <laughs> Enjoy the podcast, Doug the Barber. Imagine a future oh, of God. freight trucks oh. that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and, and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. Yeah. Yes, you did. You all imagined that. Well, I'm going to take us down the dark hole of social media. Okay. But we owe it to a listener, a Brant Engen. He writes frequently. He's a GLer, and he writes, Good evening. I'm saddened that every time the topic of Trump being banned from big tech, yourself and John quiet down as if this was okay. Perhaps because you hate Trump that much? The comment from John today was, I can go on Twitter and post uh, and read conservative stuff, insinuating what's the problem. I'm sorry to say it, Joe, but folks like yourself are making it worse. What's it? Uh, The situation, I would would guess. You accept a sitting president being removed from the town hall of our age, social media, unfortunately, because you think he was part of an insurrection or he tweeted mean or dumb things, an insurrection that involved no AR-15s in the United States of America. Really? Come on. It was a singular afternoon of idiots. I hope you can find a way to open your mind to how bad this censorship has grown. Let me stop. 
he must have heard us yesterday when I, we were remarking about Twitter and uh, Kenny telling us, telling me to be careful and whatnot. And, and uh, John, at some point, uh, how did it come up that? Uh, I think I dragged uh, it up. It's uh, my Kenny fault. said, yeah, conservative uh, viewpoints are being taken off. And I said, well, no, you can go find all kinds of conservative viewpoints. I've never there. said it pleases me that Trump has been banned from Twitter. In fact, Quite yesterday, the opposite. In fact, yesterday we said Putin has a Twitter account, so to which t- I responded, ironically, but Trump doesn't have one. And this guy mm-hmm. was, this, this brand, I think, has misinterpreted me. You ask what's to be afraid of. Ask Parler, who had their platform and website removed because Amazon decided they didn't want to host them. At the same time, Facebook and Twitter together banned Trump but ignored countless openly evil people. Let's forget about all the sketchy sites Amazon services hosts without a problem. But yeah, the platform of Parler that led conservatives and liberals speak without filters was the bad seed. That's what people are afraid of. Scared that they ban them and then you can't speak in the town hall meetings because you've been eliminated. Again in the news, we're being told the story that the New York Post broke that Hunter Biden during the campaign where he left a laptop with possible details about dad on it while high on drugs was true. Never mind the Ukraine-Biden stories that were all removed from social media by big tech pushing a narrative. This, again, is censorship. It can't be ignored because if you don't want to believe it, don't fully understand it or don't see it in the newspaper. I was one of thousands of accounts that was removed from Twitter in that mass conservative removal a year or so back. I am far from a conservative radical and would never take part in anything as extreme as what we've seen from the left's protests and riots all too often. I'm sure as hell wouldn't waste time talking to or posting such things. Yet my conservative views or the people I followed and retweeted got me a common sense schmuck from GL deleted with no reason. I hope you think about such things as it's real and we're all watching the left's destruction uh, destroy our country very quickly. It's no longer... Uh, well, the right's just as bad. It's not even close. Good luck, Brandt. All right. Part of the issue there, though, uh, when he talks about Trump, yeah, he didn't get kicked off because of mean tweets. He mm-hmm. got kicked off because of tweets that were full of inaccuracies, mm-hmm. mostly about the election. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a... It's like the old... The comment I found stu- silly as hell. I said, oh, you didn't like the mean tweets, huh? How do you like it now? Well, if, no, that, that wasn't really it. But you are also in the camp that thinks it's ludicrous that the likes of Trump are banned, but the likes of Putin are not. The oh, camp I'm in is if, tr- if, tr- if Putin has a Twitter account, then Trump should have a Twitter account. Y- yes, and and who else did we say? Well, the I Taliban mentioned the Taliban one, right? yesterday. Yeah. They have one. Yeah, yeah you can't. Uh, yeah. Well, I you, just you think just, it's... Go ahead, Kenny. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just a subject worth talking about. Right. Yeah. Uh, I find it fascinating. And unfortunately, uh, Brant's right. The social media is the town hall of today. It, I, I don't like that, yeah, but that's I hate, what it I is. Hate it. Yeah. There was a survey done, and this is going to frighten you, or maybe it won't surprise you. There was a survey done, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal, and it was people the age of 18 to 34, how they consume their news. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of f- over 50% get it from social media. Mm-hmm. Jeez. That's frightening. Yeah, that's what yeah that it is. is. But again, not surprising, right? Which is why I have but, to be careful in my obstinacy. I, I can't poo-poo it all the time when, when in fact, there are real developments that that might be the only place I find them. Well, it's normally where you're going to get it first. Yeah, but I can't verify it half the time. If it's from a trusted source, you can. I told you I follow Bill Browder on this Russian invasion. 
Okay, I, let's let's get some news right now from Twitter. It's under the what what's happening uh, section. Um, I'm about to click on a headline that says "War in Ukraine Continues as Russia Strikes Besieged City of Maripol." I click that and I get a story from Reuters um, that talks about that very thing. Then there's a story from the New York Post, a story from the New York Times, USA Today, some dude named Rob Lee, Al Jazeera. Uh, New York Times. So I, m- maybe it's akin to opening up um, a slanted newspaper, in this case, both sides of the aisle. But all of those stories I can uh, access through the websites of those outfits. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So is it bad that you access them through Twitter instead? Um, are people smart enough to know the difference, the political differences between, say, the Times and the Post? I think so. Okay. I think the people seriously interested know the Post is conservative and the Times has become nothing. It's destroyed, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think it's always hard to follow up, though. I find myself doing that also, where I don't follow up. I'll see something, immediately agree with it, and go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. I'm going to give yeah. you a great example. Up. I'm going to yeah. give you a great yeah. example of how Same. I have to work. All right? Our old friend Scott Holter, he was a longtime musical contributor. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And he moved to Crazy Town, Seattle. He was a good friend of mine when he lived here. Him and his brother are both still listeners. Right. Uh, he says, hi, Such. Uh, more news from Crazy Town. I always think that what we're doing here in the state of Washington, you'll soon be doing in Minnesota or vice versa. Say hi to the fellas. All right. Here's what he sent me. And I had to I verified it because I, I quite seriously thought... I can't be too careful. I thought it was from the Babylon Bee. And in fact, the site he linked me to, I could not uh, get it to print. So I went, well, here's the story. School board passes disciplinary policy that considers race before punishing students. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's from Tacoma, Washington. And I got this from K, uh, the national desk of KHO Radio. K. Como News, K-O-M-O News. Yep, that's a big station there. Tacoma, Washington. A Washington State School Board adopted a revised student discipline policy last week telling school officials to take a student's race into account when determining their punishment. The policy amendment passed the Clover Park School District School Board on a 3-2 vote. It's allegedly in line with state law passed in 2021 that compels school districts across Washington to identify or develop and periodically update governance training programs that align with cultural competency, diversity, equity, and inclusion standards for school director governance. And again, I thought this can't be true. I, I verified it on 10 sites, which I have to do. This is so preposterous. How preposterous is it? In a video of the March 14 school board meeting when the revised disciplinary policy was passed, board member Anthony Vilas asked for an example of what the so-called cultural discipline might look like. Essentially, they are referring there that you look at, are you dispersing discipline across ethnicities, the racial groups, equitably, explained Deputy Super Brian Laubach. So are you disciplining African-American boys more than you're disciplining white boys? Uh, the amended policy did not pass without pushback. Two members voted against it, questioning the meaning and fairness of culturally responsive discipline and arguing there was a need to better define the terms of the new policy. And they were labeled racist when they did so. Let's say we both commit the same offense. Then the question should be, what are the consequences? 
of that offense. And how do we go through that process? And to be fair, if we both did the same thing, we should get the same consequence the way I see it, said board member Paul Wagaman. And I think that's how most children in playgrounds like to see it. Most of us as citizens in our community like to see it that way, that it's equal. Wagaman added that the board had yet to discuss and debate the policy in depth until we, the five of us, have discussed all these definitions at work. Until we do that, I think we are negligent to send this forward, Wagaman said. The other dissenting board member, Dave Anderson, agreed that the terms of the policy needed to be debated further, citing Valise's earlier question, which he argued was indicative that the board was not fully prepared to move forward because terms appear not to be defined. Anderson then cited the district standard operating procedures, which he said stated, no decision will solve any problem without fully understanding the situation and the analysis of the facts. Uh, The uh, Clover Park District told the uh, national desk of KMO uh, that it is committed to providing a world-class education for students while fostering a safe, inclusive learning environment adding that its new policy is based off a model policy from the Washington State School Directors Association and is aligned with state law. The district pointed to legislation, which it said notes that students of color experience disproportionate rates of exclusionary discipline and is correlated with a negative school climate. Students feeling disconnected from their school reduced graduation rates and increased involvement with the Juvenile Justice Department. We have high standards for student behavior, the district said, and it is in the intention of the school board that the disciplinary policy and procedure be implemented in a manner that supports a positive school climate, maximizes instructional time, and increases equitable educational opportunities, most of which is boilerplate BS from the failed academy. If they go through with it, it sounds like uh, a white kid and a black kid commit the same offense in school. It sounds like the white kid, you got to take his culture into uh, consideration, and perhaps the uh, the black child had a more difficult cultural uh, environment, so therefore you punish the white kid more than you punish the black kid. And then saying what? The black child is less than. It's less than. This it's, is it, an outrage. It's, 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 it's incredible. It's just incredible. And I, wouldn't you love to These attend? These people are committed to not let racial inequity disappear. No. They're committed to it. It's, an, it's their industry now. Can you imagine attending that school board meeting? Well, we, you know what? This is shades of what we've talked about happening here. This has happened here. Oh, uh, Roseville. Was a kid, it Roseville? A kid acts up, uh, why don't you go in the gym and shoot baskets for 20 minutes? You know, don't, no serious discipline. Uh, By the way, you know why KOMO was recently on this show? I don't. Seattle is dying. Oh, that's right. They were the uh, creators of that documentary. Right. But it's a real story. It's not a fake story. I thought it was a fake story. It'd be fun and interesting to talk about to kids about this. Get some 11th graders on the phone and interview them because they always have the true perspective on what race relations are like in school or what um, relations between straight and gays and trans are like in school and what um what's what's the great word that adults like to use not integration but equity um, yeah uh well no it was pre pre inclusivity yeah yeah see my great my great hope is that the kids diversity uh, diversity yeah my great hope is that the kids get along 
uh, for the most part. Well, the, and this they is do, being they, driven by adults who are determined to let not let racial divides disappear. Yeah, that's my point, because we'd hear that a lot among the parent-teacher meetings um, where they talk about diversity, this, and we're trying, and we're doing this and doing that. And then you look out on the playground and you see all the different races playing together. Um, and, and the only clicks were the... Uh, football click, the band click, the, the you know the normal clicks that we all had, the cheerleader, uh, that those kind of clicks. It, it, it wasn't all the blacks on this side, all the whites yeah. on this side, all the uh, Arabian. You know what I mean? Yeah, nonsense from adults. It really is. It's the adults keeping this alive. And how many of the people on that school board? Let's let's look at the diversity of the school board. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the people I don't that came what, up with this nonsense. I don't know their makeup. I, I tried this makeup. with a, a friend with a teenager about uh, pronouns and, and how the adults are big on the pronouns. And, and what's your kid doing? She basically said, my kid just rolls with it. Yeah. Whatever they want to be called, they don't care. Yeah, it's not a big deal. If you've got to have, if you're they, them, you should be in a sanatorium. But that's co- <laughs> that's coming from an adult. The kids, on the other hand, couldn't care less. Yeah. Because they're all just trying to get through this. Hail the flashlight king. Hail, Hail you. you. Larry and Alexandria wrote, it's bike season. We took our Bintelli bikes out for the maiden ride today, meaning last Wednesday, but I've been saving this. We put on 700 miles last year and are aiming for 1,000 this year. So glad EcoFun advertises on GL. Keep pushing back. Love the show. So Larry and Alexandria came down and took advantage of the great prices, great service, and great people at EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. They recently had a record Saturday sale event because GLers are taking advantage of the spring sales. The, uh, they got the youth equipment, all the gas-powered scooters that turn urban errands into adventures, a variety of e-bikes, a full line of Yamaha equipment, clothing, service. It is a one-stop shop for recreational fun. It has been. Uh, it will continue to be. Because, you know, they're expanding. EcoFund is expanding. That's right. Yeah. So, but I'm always glad to hear from the EcoFund customers who are really enjoying the product and realizing that uh, everything you've been told is the absolute truth. These are really fun, fun electric bikes. They're fun scooters. Keep it in mind, those scooters are going to get you about 100 to 110 miles a gallon. And they turn those urban errands into adventures. I don't want to see you on the freeway. You'd be crazy. <laughs> but for running to the store or whatever, go, go over to the hardware store, Fratelloni's, and get some nuts and bolts. That's your answer. There you go. Put it right under the seat there. They got the story. Go to the store and buy some pickles, and you won't have to grow your own. That's right. It's EcoFun <laughs> Motorsports. It's in Forest Lake on Highway 61. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Souchere. Well, is this the uh, one I wanted to hear? Yes. Here's the song, Kenny. Harmony by Dylan Reese. With some guy on guitar. And Dylan wrote the music. (laughs) (laughs) And played all the instruments. Let's go. Where are they? Out on the main stage at First Avenue. They do fill up the house when they come to town, don't they, John? The oh, kids yeah. love them. It's been, it's been a sellout at 7th Street every time. I'm too old to go to uh, 7th Street these days. I've actually, I've, <laughs> I've reached the age now I'd rather where... have a talking frog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've reached the age now where 
I think people are stealing from me. I, I don't know if I've used it up or if I've misplaced some of the sea foams or if somebody's sneaking in in the middle of the night and stealing it. And uh, I addressed this the other day with the roommate. Turns out, uh, like my bank account, it's not my sea foam. It's our sea foam. Oh. Yeah, and she's been. I'm pretty proud of this, and I'm happy she's been using it on the regular. Um, every couple fill-ups in the crap can she's driving. Gets a few gulps or even a full can, and she sees and feels the results. The old jalopy running a lot better. That, that's the car, not her, okay? Uh, <laughs> well, well, I think that needed clarification. Thank you. Uh, she drinks the wine. That seems to help. Uh, the, but, no, the biggest news these days, of course, is the outrageous prices we're paying for gas and diesel. We need seafoam now more than ever. In our cars, trucks, semis, tractors, anything that runs on fossil fuel, dump it in the vehicle's tank. Keep them running top-notch, giving you the best mileage possible. Seafoam truly is a miracle, available the world over, and a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. Seafoam. Two old guys are playing golf. Oh. They're walking up the fairway, and the guy gets to his ball, and he bends down. There's a frog there. Hmm. And the frog looks up at him and says, if you kiss me, I will turn into the most gorgeous woman you've ever seen, and I'll spend the rest of my life with you. And his buddy goes, holy mackerel. But the guy picks it up, and he puts the, golf, uh, he puts the uh, frog in his golf bag and zippers the pocket. And his buddy said, are you nuts? Kiss the frog. And he said, nah, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. But oh, boom, boom. <laughs> Why am what? I getting coins? You realize you told us that joke on Monday. I did. What? Off the oh, air, didn't no, I? I think it was off the air. That's was it's it? okay. I, I wasn't here Monday. Yeah, so John see, wasn't I, here. Because I, I, I think we time. were telling some jokes off the air that we Very probably, colorful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then I'll give you this, and I'll give this to myself. <laughs> okay. You recall yesterday I mentioned during John's news uh, watching a helicopter hover over the Mississippi for about 20, 30 oh, minutes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I yep. never saw anything in the news. And Tom writes, on Monday's program, you mentioned you saw helicopters over the river, but you weren't sure why. The news apparently was silent. I can shed some light. As I left for my afternoon walk Monday, my wife told me, be careful, several carjackers just fled the cops at 35E and Highway 13. She showed me video from a website showing a gas station a mile from our home where two cop cars hemmed in a vehicle. Several people jumped from the car and fled on foot. My wife's understanding of the story was as follows. Five kids broke into someone's home and stole their purse and Tesla. At some point, they exited the Tesla and got into another car, which was the one they drove into the gas station. They apparently set the car on fire before fleeing. Holy cow. The good news is they were caught. The bad news, I imagine they were free an hour later and on their way to steal someone else's car. Remember when a helicopter search for violent carjackers and arsonists would have been a story worth interrupting regular programming? No more people would complain about interrupting Judge Judy than voted in the last city council election. Mm-hmm. But boom, boom, boom. Yeah. He's right. He's right. Joe, was this in the morning before no. 9 a.m.? No, about 3, 3 p.m. or okay. so. Okay, because I think it was a week or so. It might have been last week or the week before we had carjackings in Egan that ended up on the old 110 mm-hmm. and um, in south and west St. Paul. Speaking of, speaking of that, there was the story, uh, I believe the gentleman's last name is Hussein. In which he was prosecuted, or not prosecuted, he was charged with carjacking. The Minnesota Freedom Fund bailed him out. Two and a half days later, he did the exact same thing. I have a question, because someone pointed this out, and it's a great question. If you are charged, but you're out on bail 
for a, for a crime. Yeah. How how is it, or why is it? Why are you able to then post bail for a secondary crime while you're on while you're on bail? Something's not right there. Did they drop yeah. the charges? I don't, I don't know. They were bailed out by the Freedom Fund, and then they were you know then they were caught carjacking again. Why do they get to have bail on a third and fourth offense? I don't get that. Why does the Freedom Fund exist? That's, That's an even better question. Uh, I'm really, really visiting the failed academy today. And, uh, uh, Chris, we're going to visit your failed academy. Oh, no. Mankato State University. Is that what it's called? Minnesota State University at Mankato, although I do still call it Mankato State University. This is from Campus Reform. Oh, no. What did we do? Mm, they have a 31-page document uh, that the institution defines as a cheat sheet for how you're supposed to use the language because we're getting closer to not being able to talk to each other. Minnesota State University uses a language glossary to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion on its campus. Minnesota State Terms of Equity and Inclusion provides the label's ally, advocate, and anti-racist advocate for those figures that champion certain social justice platforms. Opposingly, those people in denial are defined as refusing to acknowledge the societal privileges that are granted or denied based on ethnicity or other groupings. Listed pronouns include she, her, hers, he, him, his, and zzer. The guide is a 31-page document published by the Office of Equity and Inclusion. It was published just this past September. Uh, this cheat sheet, which the university dubs its glossary, provides guidance on which words should be used most commonly, along with short definitions of their use. For example, the term privilege is, is defined as a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular and is specifically tailored to two subcategories, heterosexuals and white. They're privileged. Okay. If you were a committed non-heterosexual, wouldn't you feel just as privileged as a heterosexual? <laughs> Wait, ask me that yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that again. If you were a committed uh, lesbian or gay person, wouldn't yeah. you feel just as privileged in your relationship as a heterosexual? Evidently. You're going to let other people tell you you're not privileged because of that? I'm oppressed. Mm, they usually fight back. I the think. glossary is part of a department initiative called Equity 2030, which is outlined in the university's 2020-2023 strategic plan. Equity 2030 seeks to eliminate the ed educational equity gaps at every Minnesota State College and University, according to Chris's university's website. The university marked the plan as ambitious and placed an emphasis on requiring intentional systems and culture change and innovation. Campus Reform has reported on similar higher education initiatives across the country. Well, yes, because the academy has completely failed. Similar to MSU, Boston University recently published a glossary defining words that align with the university's goals of justice, equity, and belonging, all of which would be assigned arbitrarily, by the way. Mm -hmm. Campus Reform contacted MSU for comment. I bet they and, didn't get any. And they didn't get any comment. Yeah, I bet. So uh, we're getting closer to where... Uh, you just won't be able to talk to anybody. I, uh, I'd like to issue a statement mm -hmm. on behalf of my alma mater, mm -hmm. if I may. Can I still watch the hockey game at 11 o'clock in here tomorrow in the yes. studio? Okay. <laughs> and now let's turn to the University of Virginia. The University of Virginia student newspaper 
the Cavalier Daily. This is the student newspaper. This isn't some equity club or... Uh, the University of Virginia student newspaper, the Cavalier Daily, recently published an editorial piece that said they don't condone former Vice President Mike Pence speaking on campus and argued against what they deem unjustifiable speech. And you tell me that the Academy's not failed. We refuse to condone platforming Pence, they wrote, arguing that the former vice president's beliefs threaten the well-being no. and safety of students. Uh, we don't know that. The editorial board said the university's silence was deafening and shouldn't be mistaken for neutrality. Several uh, 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 senior legal affairs reporter for Politico, Josh Gerstein, uh, using a hashtag to say student newspapers force uh, censorship. The piece was first noted by Atlantic staff writer Connor Friedersdorf, who said Pence has spoken at several colleges and said there was zero evidence of students being endangered no. as a result. No. A Republican pollster, Patrick uh, Ruffini, said it was idiotic and illiberal. Mary Catherine Hamm, a CNN contributor and senior writer at The Federalist, also took aim at the editorial board's claim of violence. We're getting a ray of hope here. People from all political stripes are finding this obscene. Well, that's Just obscene. It does not threaten any lives, she wrote on Twitter. Others took issue with the editorial board's argument against what they describe as unjustifiable speech. Nobody should listen to Mike Spence, but nobody should stop him for speak, from speaking. Nicholas Sarwark, an executive director of the Libertarian Policy Institute, said. Pence is expected to speak at the university in April as part of a lecture series sponsored by Young America's Foundation. A student at the University of Virginia recently wrote an opinion essay for the New York Times that she, who describes herself as a liberal, feels scared to speak her mind on campus. And that's from a kid leaning left. My college experience has been defined by strict ideological conformity. Students of all political persuasions hold back in class discussions, in friendly conversations, on social media from saying what we really think, she wrote. Mother of God. The student newspaper ran another op, and these are your future journalists, which yes, is why are. the public doesn't trust it anymore. Right. The student newspaper ran another op-ed Wednesday headline, The Payoff of Rhetorical Platforms and the Cost of Their Denial, which appeared to counter the editorial board's piece. I am writing in support of him speaking at the university and to dispute the claim that allowing Mike Pence to speak is antithetical to the university's mission. The university seeks to develop citizen leaders and to preserve democracy, not allowing Mike, Spence, Mike Pence to speak as a departure from these tenets, the op-ed from student Sarita Meta said. Meta wrote that by shunning those with different opinions, people do not deserve the engagement over differences that is essential to a democratic society. Well, that's fantastic. It's just a shame that the initial piece came from the student newspaper. But we've we know, at least I, I've spoken to a number of college kids, that they follow in lockstep with the line of thinking, even though they, that's not truly what they believe, just because they don't want to be labeled and, and, and you know, judged. The student newspaper's editorial board piece also references the white nationalist rally that occurred in August 2017 at the University of Virginia and said that peasants, peasants, that Pence's presence on ground <laughs> signifies a tolerance of rhetoric that has already harmed our community. Though Pence's language may not be as overt 
as the white supremacy expressed during the events of August 11 and 12, we must all be concerned about the message his rhetoric could imply we accept, the editorial board wrote. I don't know what that's referring to. That's a large leap to make, isn't it? White yeah. supremacy to Mike Pence yep. talking. Yep. What the hell? Yeah, I, I'm trying to look to history to, to find guidance here, and so immediately I jumped to Agnew and uh, Nixon. You guys were in college, what, late 60s? Yep. I'm not trying to slam you here. Do late, you suppose late, late 70s for me? Okay. Well, let's just talk to Joe then. Do you suppose this would have happened with Agnew after Nixon got the well? They, if I remember right, Agnew got the boot. Nixon was reelected. Right. Agnew got the boot. And then or could Nixon we even say that for Ford? If Ford were to speak somewhere, would this happen to Ford? I. I'm going to say no. In my day, yeah. I'm yeah I'm not finding anything. I'm Kenny, I don't even think you have to go back that far. Well, where do we turn? Well, look at when Reagan was in office. Would this have happened then? With Bush speaking at a, at a, at a college campus? I don't think it would have. Do you guys think? Bush, if Bush, if Bush was, uh, he was fairly hated for his time spent in the CIA, um, if I remember right. Uh, but not to this degree. I think. I, yeah, I don't think to this. Yeah, th- this never would have happened until now. Right. <laughs> the last, last I don't, five years. Yeah, I think this is setting precedent. I, I don't think precedent has been set before. Yeah. I mean, Agnew made a number of really controversial speeches, um, but I don't see any protests before he okay, showed up. Because here's why I guess I bring it up. Because I remember I was at Mankato when W got elected. Okay. And. You know, but it was also the same time when Jesse got elected, and we all been, went. We all went in flocks oh, to go vote for okay. Jesse. Great, great question. That would have been Quail then, correct? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Did I you see this happening for campus. Dan? No. 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 And wasn't? Could I compare the two as being both innocuous, Quail and uh, Pence? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was shortly after. This is all stems from the fact that he was Trump's vice president. Correct. Exactly. That's yeah. the point yeah. we're making. Yeah. 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 But I think it also has a lot to do with just the fact that he's a conservative. Oh, absolutely. I, you could probably, I think you're right, throw any conservative in there and you're going to get this. You, you, you know, if you're conservative, you are a white supremacist. Well, bleep these kids. They're, well, they're, absolutely. They're, uh, they're the products of an extraordinarily, given the significant passage of time, Mm-hmm. Oh, did you want to hear that again? No. Okay. They're, they're the products of a significantly destroyed campus environment. About, we read some quotes from kids who were trying to hang on, and they're not thoroughly destroyed. But the overall environment is one of this utter destruction of the idea of free speech. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just horrible. Uh, no, you can have free speech as long as you think like we do. Mm-hmm. Do you recall the other day we had the uh, incident from Yale where a conservative speaker was yes. in the law school? And uh, was defamed by the kids. Uh, then I read a follow-up piece where there are people sincerely uh, believing that just as the academy has failed, law will be failed, which would have a great impact on the bringing about of the mystery. I couldn't stop thinking about that after we did that story. Yeah, but it's already happening, Joe. You're already seeing the law not being honored. And, and what I was thinking, Joe, is all those lawyers, how many politicians, how many lawyers end up as politicians? Quite well, a few. Yeah, yeah. How Kamala Harris got a law degree is beyond my comprehension. 
because she's just old enough to probably have gone to law school what it was expected that she would have had to achieve. Well, she imagined it. Yeah, because she's just a moron, I, you know. To put it bluntly. Yeah. But it's a shame. Uh, the law oh, could gosh. get ruined. The academy hey, is ruined. So the, in that article you mentioned from uh, Virginia, I don't remember the rally. Am I missing oh. something? 2017? Yeah. The white supremacist rally. Was that the, uh, was that the off-campus event where a guy drove his car through the crowd? Is it the University of Virginia in Richmond? I believe so. Probably. Remember that? And uh, Yeah. And there were charges of white uh, supremacy, and it was when Trump said, well, there's good people on both sides of the issue. Is that ringing a bell? Was that a that d- was 2017, the in the summer of 2017. But that had nothing to do with the University of Virginia. Right. Or was no. it near campus? I have no idea. Well, they, there was a march on campus in Richmond. Remember the guys carrying the, the signs? The uh, See, I don't at all. I, I won't call them... Well, that has nothing to do with pants. Right, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, the Cavalier, I I just pulled that article up. Yeah. Here's what you're dealing with. As soon as you, before you can even read this, there's a trigger warning on the column. You're (laughs) kidding me. I love trigger warnings. (laughs) It says, trigger warning, this column discusses suicidal thoughts. And then it goes into their saying that Pence should not be allowed to speak. So I'm trying to put the shoe on the other foot right now, and I just Googled conservative colleges because the only one I can find here that I may have heard of is University of Dallas, whatever that is. But I'm wondering if there if there is such a thing as a conservative college. Yes, yes and, there is. And uh, Harris, the VP, were going to speech. Do you suppose this same thing would play out? No, I do not. There's a very famous conservative school called Hillsdale. Uh, that's number one on the list. Right. Yeah. And if she spoke there, I would like to think that she would not be met with opposition. You know why? Because we love to hear what the enemy is up to. Right. Uh, that's the great one of the great stories about my uh, father-in-law, who until the day he died, read Rolling Stone magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, why are you reading Rolling Stone, Bill? I want to know what the enemy's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, was one of, that was one of the great things about college. I mean, just yeah, to both go to sides. college and, and get that information from right. everywhere. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. The col- uh, the, but the academy's destroyed. Yeah. It's destroyed. Uh, that, the uh, protest we're talking about was in Charlottesville. Charlottesville, the, okay. where, where the woman was killed. All right. By the All, car. Right. All right. Well, I'll be honest. The only um, rallies I would sign up for to go listen to a speaker in college were the ones that the hot chicks were going to. Well, so Chris, it's, it's it's well known <laughs> in college your party of choice was the beer party. Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bong party. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right on Cherry Street every Friday and Saturday night. Right. <laughs> well, your college is, is they're, they're ramping up their equity efforts, and uh, you have to follow the language guide. That's great. Yeah, it's, uh, I hope you don't send them any money once in a while. Well, it'll stop now. Boy, oh boy. I wouldn't send them a plug nickel. Okay, hop along. Yeah. <laughs> a plug nickel. I wouldn't send them a plug nickel. <laughs> hop along, Sushi Ray. I hear him saying that in Walter Brennan's voice. Right. <laughs> 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 Why don't we return with John Height? Okay. <laughs> It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Pro. Wow. 
How come we haven't heard these before? I'm going down the Dylan Reese rabbit hole. <laughs> is this Dylan Height? With I'm him? not sure. If I don't it is know if not. Dylan's on this or not, but I'm enjoying the video for this song. Kenny, I'll send it to you later. Please do. Um, Pro Turf has declared it's it's not spring until Pro Turf says it is, and it is. It's time to start thinking about your spring lawn care if you want the best lawn on the block. Uh, ProTurf is the answer to that, a Minnesota-grown lawn care company. They've been around, kicking around, 40 years strong. Don't send in that renewal contract back to that lame bunch of clowns that did cruddy work last year. You need service techs with 20 years of experience. Techs that walk the same yards every year, they get to know these lawns like they're their own. They know what to throw down. Uh, Dandelions prevented right away with your first spring application. Slow-release long-term fertilizers, that means it greens up right away. Get on the phone. Get on the website, professionalturf.com. Click on Estimates. You can schedule your free lawn assessment and plan. They come out to your place. It's not done over the phone. Uh, and check out you their You mean you land- can't take your lawn to them? <laughs> You're right. That would be difficult. It would be difficult. A lot of lawn surfaces uh, suits will just give you an estimate on the phone. That's what I'm saying. ProTurf, they come out and check it out. Uh, and they also service irrigation systems. They do landscaping. You can check it all out, professionalturf.com. Here's John Height. I uh, heartily endorse professionalturf.com. In fact, I paid already for this summer because last summer they did such a nice job. My lawn was gorgeous, so for what it's worth. It sounds like the Wokesters that bought my place do not use ProTurf, and they, it is no longer the best lawn on the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, your this, news, though, John. Brought to us news, by. Yes, is brought to us by ProfessionalTurf.com. A St. Paul man was sentenced Tuesday in connection with the shooting at Mall of America on New Year's Eve. Remember uh, this happening? 18-year-old Khalil Markel Wiley was convicted of second-degree assault with a dangerous weapon, sentenced to serve nearly four years at the Minnesota Correctional Facility in St. Cloud. He will get credit for 77 days he's served so far. Another second-degree assault with a dangerous weapon charge was dismissed. Wiley had previously entered a guilty plea to one count of second-degree assault. According to the complaint filed at the time, two men suffered gunshot wounds after he fired his handgun while on the third floor at the Mall of the Mer- uh, Mall of America. One of the men who was shot in the leg told police at the time he knew Wiley and was upset from a prior interaction. Wiley told police at the time the men were chasing him. He said he did several laps around the mall looking for an escape. Wiley told police that when one of the men started getting close, he got scared and fired his gun in response. Minnesota Senate DFL leaders announcing a package of public safety bills Tuesday. Party leaders said the legislation aims to reduce and prevent crime by providing resources and tools to those who need them, including law enforcement, community groups, and criminal justice partners. House and Senate Republicans, as well as Governor Walls, have all outlined their own public safety proposals over the past couple of months. One would authorize grants for community violence prevention programs and intervention services, as well as juvenile detention alternatives. So the the answer is more government. Mm-hmm. To, more money, to, more to government. Crime. Yep. Not, not locking up the bad guys. You're seeing it in Minneapolis. Uh, Fry's going to appoint a whole new cabinet. Just what Melvin did, a creation of the Department of Public Safety. Well, that's solving yeah. it, though, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no more crime in St. No, Paul. I don't think so. Teachers in the Minneapolis Public School District are picketing again. Day 16 of their strike. Kids in the district have been out of class for 12 days. Parents are pleading with the district to come to some sort of agreement so everyone can get back to school. 
Negotiations, according to those taking part, are getting closer, but they stalled again last night. The main difference between the two contracts now surrounds raises and bonus pay. Union members are pushing for a minimum salary of 35 grand for all education support professionals and a bigger lump sum in bonuses for teachers. Uh, MPS says they've now made what they call their last and best offers to both teachers and ESPs. According to the district, the proposal includes class size caps, starting salaries of over 50 grand for teachers, a full-time social worker in each school, 20% wage increases for coaches, $1 million investment in physical education, arts and music staffing at small elementary schools, and protections for teachers of color, as well as additional strategies to recruit and keep teachers of color and what the students get out of this they get a make up the lost days in june yep. june yep all yeah, days short, lost short and summer vacation what are we at what did you say Three 16 weeks? days 16 days Jeez. i wonder how many parents have once this started just said to hell with minneapolis and pulled their kids out of that school district i don't, I don't even know if you can i guess at this point of the school year but this is absolutely criminal what they're doing to these kids I would drive, no distance would be too far for me to drive my kid every day. Nope, me either. Parents from Minnesota and Wisconsin have fought in the stands of a kids' basketball game. Angry fans have followed referees to their cars after youth matches and tossed food on hockey rinks. Now you might remember this a couple weeks ago, a Detroit Lakes man charged after reportedly throwing popcorn at a high school basketball referee, tearing the whistle off his lanyard and tearing his shirt. Now, Minnesota legislatures have decided that these folks have gotten out of hand. They're considering a fine of up to $1,000 to discourage bad behavior from parents and other fans. The bill comes from Representative John Huat, who's a familiar, uh, who is familiar with fan abuse as a football and basketball referee. It says it's aimed at deterring disruptions and protecting sports officials. The committee unanimously approved the proposal. Minnesotans already face criminal charges if they physically assault an official, but the bill would expand the situation where someone could also face a financial penalty. It would require people to pay a civil fine rather than a criminal one if they interfere with a game by stepping onto the field, throw something onto the rink or court, or swear at officials. What kind of rink were the, was the food thrown on? Uh, hockey, wasn't it? I oh, you said hockey correctly here. that time. You, when you yeah, said it the first rink. time, you almost went boom. You went hockey. 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 So, hockey I'm, I'm re-watching The Sopranos for the fun of it, and uh, during one of Meadows' soccer matches, who is the guy that uh, Stephen, uh, little Stephen, played? Uh, what was it his was character? Silvio. Silvio. Silvio, actually, with his uh, just his uh, wife beater T-shirt on, marches out on the field <laughs> and starts yelling at the ref and kicks dirt on him. It was just <laughs> awesome. It was so cool. A tornado flipped cars, ripped off rooftops, and deposited a house in the middle of the street in the New Orleans area, part of a storm front that caused damage in places as it blew from Texas to South Carolina, two deaths attributed to the weather. Other tornadoes spawned by the same storm system had hit parts of Texas and Oklahoma on Monday. The National Weather Service confirmed tornadoes touched down in St. Bernard Parish, which borders New Orleans to the southeast, and in Lacombe, across Lake Pontchartrain from the city. Parish officials gave no details on how the person died. They said multiple other people were injured. Uh, this morning, Louisiana activated 300 National Guard personnel to help out with route clearance, security, and engineering support. Did you see some of that video? No. People are getting very brave just standing uh, and uh, taping with their phones. See, that's what that I was going to bring. Yeah. The, very close. What I can't believe is people that are that bold. Just, i got to get this Look, on my cell phone. What are you get talking inside. about? We've been doing that in the Midwest for years, Reavers. 
The first thing you do when you see a tornado is you grab your lawn chair and your cooler and <laughs> sit in the backyard and watch that baby roll through. I guess. Well, there is one, there was one video of somebody from their the back of their house. It looked like the tornado was two houses away. Just taping away, not saying a word. Did you see the video of the tornado going over New Orleans in the gloaming? And in yeah. the background, you see a, car, a cruise line ship all lit up taking off. And behind it was the dark funnel. It was a... Very uh, beautiful shot, eerie but very beautiful shot. How would you have liked to have been on that cruise ship? I wouldn't. I don't. I have no <laughs> desire to go on a cruise ship. <laughs> me either. I, I, Even I, without I, a tornado. Without a tornado. <laughs> a- answer me this, uh, fellas. What the hell's a parish? Is that it's a, a county? county? It's a county. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Get out of my parish, son. <laughs> <laughs> In Ukraine, some mental wear and tear apparently going on with Russian soldiers. Uh, two soldiers were caught venting about uh, Putin's BS war, although they didn't use BS, they used the word, uh, in all of this coming in an intercepted phone call that was released by Ukraine security services. Have they been taken care of yet, John? (laughs) One of the soldiers saying, basically, it's a bleep show here, I'll put it like that, after telling his friend that Ukrainian forces are tearing apart columns of Russian forces. Said along with his own unit, he described complete disarray among the Russian military, with 50% of the unit suffering from frostbite on their feet and the Russian army not treating it. On the fourth day of their deployment, he said the general commanding the unit, General Lieutenant Yakov Reznsov, told them it'd be over quickly, when obviously it isn't. He said, uh, Comrade General, damn it, I have this situation, and he just tells me to be strong, and then he bleeps off. He said mm-hmm. they couldn't send a, he just bleeps off the general. He, he says, mm-hmm. be strong, and leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not getting rid of the bodies, apparently. He told his buddy they can't send off the 200s here. 200s is a military term in the Russian army for dead bodies. He said uh, the special operation with respect to homes is not meant to be destroyed. This is all BS. Even though on TV they said the Russian troops were advancing, they were actually surrounded on all sides, he told his buddy. Mariupol. Uh, seen by drone footage, has been turned into an ashtray. Right. It's yes. just destroyed. It's rubble. It's complete rubble. Rubble. Yeah. Have you guys seen, did you guys see the other night, the the little girl, I think she was seven, that sang Frozen, and it went viral in the bomb shelter? Have you heard about the uh, Lindbergh I'm getting somewhere, but do you, did you see that she sang the national yes. anthem in Poland yes. two nights so, ago? Yes. so condescending. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're such a creep. I was trying to explain to the no, listener not, that not, might not have known that's who the not little girl that interesting. was. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Meanwhile, I wouldn't trade you for a bucket of nipples. <laughs> That's a reference Meanwhile, to something on the crappy coffee shop today? Yes, uh, yes it is. I heard you guys had a guest, another call-in guest. Yeah, we did, we did yeah. yeah. Let's stick with the news here. <laughs> Meanwhile, President Biden departing today on one of the highest-stakes presidential trips in recent memory, a moment for the U.S. president to assume leadership of a newly united West. His visits to Brussels and Poland could still underscore the alliance's limits in ending the bloodshed in Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine, excuse me. So far, punishing Western sanctions haven't stopped Putin, and it's unclear whether the new steps expected this week, including sanctions of hundreds of members of Russia's lower legislative body and changes to NATO's force posture along its eastern edge, will be different. Well, but that's just it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they are <clears throat> issuing sanctions, but for them to think that this is finally going to end it is nonsense. This isn't going to cause this war to stop. I don't want to do this for five years. What? The podcast? Whatever, whatever the show? This is. You got oh. at least two years left. 
No, I meant the war deal. What yeah. do you envision? How long do you I have envision? no idea anymore. I don't know what I'm missing. When it first began, what did you think? A month? A week or two? When I first began, I had no idea of the Ukrainian strength of response. Hmm. Right. You know, if I keep thinking, and I, of course, am not a military genius by any are you, means. Are you but sure? If the if the Russian army is this badly uh, disorganized, governed, governed, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. thank you, they're disorganized. Uh, we've seen the clips of, for instance, all the tanks in one spot where basically they're sitting ducks, that kind of thing. Perhaps if that's that bad, perhaps their nuclear uh, arsenal oh. is, uh, is not handled well either, and and. I, and that's just probably wishful thinking on my part because I have nothing to base that on. But many of the Russian soldiers are conscripts. Mm-hmm. They they are just twenty year old people pulled off the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this might be wishful thinking though. Fellas. They're not West Point graduates. No, I mean they've got missiles that are obviously effective, and they've got airplanes that are mm-hmm. obviously effective. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, and I know hey, we'll I, see what happens. I asked this Joe, to Joe earlier, but you know Zelensky keeps begging for the, the no-fly zone. Mm-hmm. But as you pointed out, the second that we do that, now we're involved. Well, if you declare a no-fly zone, you have to defend it. Right. Yeah. So you and shoot you down have... a Russian jet, then yep. what do you got? Then we got ourselves in World War Three. Mm-hmm. Well, if we or NATO shot it down, yeah. Senate Democrats today defending uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, President Biden's nominee, be- to become the first black woman on the U.S. Supreme Court from Republican attacks, painting her as a liberal activist as her confirmation hearing entered a third day. Jackson rejecting Republican accusations that she was improperly lenient as a judge in sentencing child pornography offenders and criticism of her legal representation earlier in her career of some detainees at the U.S. Naval Base in Guantanamo Bay. Defended this morning by Democratic Senator Dick Durbin, who said, well, you have made a mess of their stereotype, pointing to the fact that she's been endorsed by law enforcement groups, including the National Fraternal Order of Police. Durbin said that her approach to child pornography sentencing was similar to the vast majority of federal judges, and in fact, a look at cases handled by judges endorsed by Senator Josh Howley, who first brought the issue up, showed those judges ruling in the same fashion as Jackson on child pornography cases. Boy, Twitter was making a big deal about the uh, the question of defining a woman, weren't they? I saw that all over the place this morning. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that really didn't apply to the whole thing going on yesterday. Well, John, I like to consume most of my news via Twitter. <laughs> That's what I was afraid Atta of. Had a boy. I know one thing that I've learned recently that defines a woman. Um, never remark on wrinkles. <laughs> Not going there. We, I think we all know that, Kenny. Perhaps you didn't, but we yeah. did. Uh, a fresh lesson that uh, the former soul man learned. <laughs> a man who pleaded guilty to planning that kidnapping of Michigan, uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer told jurors today that he and his allies wanted to attack before the 2020 election to try and prevent Joe Biden from winning the presidency. However, Ty Garvin didn't say why they thought an abduction that fall would stop Biden from being elected president. The 26-year-old Garvin is a critical witness for prosecutors in the trial of four men charged with conspiracy, Adam Fox, Barry Croft Jr., Daniel Harris, and Brandon Caserta. The group was arrested a month before the election, a bust in the midst of a national campaign that polarized the country. Investigators said the men were anti-government extremists who were trying to come up with four grand for an explosive to blow up a bridge in northern Michigan during an abduction. They were angry about Whitmer's statewide COVID-19 restrictions and generally disgusted with politics. Politicians, according 
to trial testimony. Um, John, I have some breaking news, uh, if you don't mind yes, me uh, interrupting sure. your time here. Um, and this is pretty incredible. It's actually right now, it's sale time at Maple Grove Lock and Safe. If you've been waiting for the right time to buy to save some money, that time is right now. And the sale on a couple of really sweet models of Liberty Saves, the Centurion 24 loaded with accessories on sale, $200 off, and the Liberty Colonial 30. That's with the $160 power accessory kit included. Uh, that's $400 off. You can check them out on the web, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Uh, but if you know what's good for you, you'll stop in there this afternoon. Get into Maple Grove Lock and Safe, 6901 East Fish Lake Road. See him live and in person. Meet Rich. He's the man. He's going to make sure you get the safe you need. The Centurion 24, the Colonial 30, both on sale at the Twin Cities headquarters for Liberty Safes, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Thank you, John. A New Mexico County commissioner who founded a group called Cowboys for Trump was found guilty by a judge yesterday of reaching the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Following the two-day non-jury trial, the U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden said the defendant, Coy Griffin, was guilty of one of two misdemeanor offenses. The ruling bolsters a key theory from prosecutors in hundreds of related cases. They had argued that the Capitol grounds were strictly off limits on the 6th. That should have been apparent to the thousands of Trump supporters who breached them in an attempt to stop Congress from certifying Joe Biden's election. Judge found Griffin guilty of entering a restricted area protected by the U.S. Secret Service, but cleared him uh, of disorderly conduct. Uh, the judge scheduled a June sentencing hearing for Griffin, who faces up to a year behind bars. Griffin did tell reporters afterwards he had no plans to resign his county commissioner position. I got a parking ticket in the mail. You did? but And I remember the occasion. It's legit, I guess. I got to pay it. But when, that night, there was nothing on my windshield. Well, what they do is they, what go, do they, do? they go around, they track your plate, oh. and then they... Uh, on their little iPad or whatever. So this wasn't done uh, through some uh, video technology. This was a copper driving it by. And might have been, it might have been vi video technology, too. Oh, I have no idea. I was a little taken aback. <laughs> you know what but I got in the mail the other day is, uh, you know, when I made my run to the uh, the Bills game, mm -hmm. I used the old iPass for oh, yeah. Illinois. Because what I like to do is, you know, zip through the iPass You billed for it. Well, I, I always go back and just pay it online. Well, I, I forgot to. Uh -oh. And then I got Oops. a $20 surcharge on oh, top sure. of what my, my tolls were. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the number of deaths in the U.S. involving alcohol jumped 25.5% between 2019 and 2020. That, of course, the first year of the COVID-19. wonder if the pandemic yeah. had anything to do with that, John. Well, uh, yes, according to the research published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, it certainly did, Chris. Yeah. This is the sharp incline from prior years. The average annual percent increase in deaths involving alcohol had only been 2.2% between 1999 and 2017. So it went from 2.2% to 25% for the one mackerel. year. Nobody uh, was bigger fans of the pandemic than liquor store owners. I guess so. Yeah. There were 78,927 alcohol-related deaths in the U.S. in 2019, 99,000 in 2020. Those deaths included motor vehicle crashes that happened as a result of driving under the influence. The researchers saw a 16.6% increase in deaths caused by any reason between 1919 and 1920, but the shift in alcohol-related deaths surpassed that in an unprecedented leap. The study analyzed death certificates provided by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The researchers identified all deaths in which alcohol was listed as an underlying cause. 
The spike in alcohol-related deaths in the first year of the pandemic was seen across all age groups. The largest change among 35 to 44-year-olds, a nearly 40% increase. Wow. In you know what I've else bet changed? Uh, I haven't seen anything about it. I don't know what exactly you'd study. But I bet the relationship between a mother and a baby born in 1920, 1920 uh, during the pandemic, when they essentially, uh, especially if the mother was allowed to work at home, for example, if she had a job, okay. and the baby's now, there's a new baby there. Yeah. I bet... Those relationships are different than a pre-pandemic relationship between a mother and a new baby. Just because of time Because spent they together? just saw each other 24 hours a day, 365, for more than a year. Hmm. Yeah, you prob- you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys, uh, and you'll have to forgive me, I've listened to the shows when I'm not here, but did you guys cover Jewel Jones? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. You did? Okay. A couple, so you, couple we, la- we, last week. Because he makes y'all's oh, really? budget. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. He makes y'all's yeah. budget. I think you did it yeah. Monday. This not this Monday. No, I listened to Monday. I didn't it was last it. week, Friday. Okay, well, never mind. I won't use this. He's still in the legislature, John. Yeah, he was sentenced though. So. Yeah, probation. Yeah. yeah, probation. Yeah. The top watchdog. Did we for just the do the story, even though we did the story already? <laughs> no, we got it. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember hearing it. Somehow I missed it. I must have got up and gone to the bathroom here. While sure, I was that could happen. Something that could happen. <laughs> Maybe I was telling a story, and he said, well, I don't want to listen to this crap. (laughs) The top watchdog for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department has identified more than 40 alleged members of gang-like groups of deputies that operate out of two sheriff stations in Los Angeles. What? In a letter Monday, Inspector General Max Huntsman said his office has compiled a partial list that includes 11 deputies who allegedly belong to the Banditos, which operate out of the East L.A. Sheriff's Station, and 30 alleged executioners from the Compton Sheriff's Station. He wrote that the list is based on information gleaned from investigations conducted by the Sheriff's Department. Uh, LASD has never thoroughly investigated allegations of gang corruption. This case is no exception, Huntsman told the Times. What has previously been known about the secretive groups has often been stitched together from allegations and testimony in lawsuits. In a retaliation lawsuit filed by a sheriff's lieutenant, a sheriff's deputy associated with the executioners testified last month that he had taken part in deciding who can get a tattoo and had attended seven so-called inking parties for the executioners. County lawyers instructed the deputy not to answer questions about whether he himself has the executioner's tattoo, which is a skull with a rifle and a military-style helmet surrounded by flames. The Sheriff's Department has long faced allegations that the groups run roughshod over stations, controlling commanders and glorifying aggressive policing tactics. The Inspector General's new figures add to a growing body of info about the groups which have existed in the L.A. Sheriff's Department for decades. Members typically get matching tattoos and go by names like the Grim Reapers and the Jump Out Boys. Huntsman told the Times about a third of the 41 deputies on his list admitted they had the tattoos or belonged to the groups. In his letter, Huntsman requests the Sheriff's Department cooperate in this investigation into the groups by providing investigative files and other. This is Were they criminally behaving? Uh, they, uh, From what I read in the—this is a, a part of a story that I read— uh, they would uh, perhaps be a little overly aggressive, shall we say. I see. Because uh, I've often, I, I just read that what's taking place in L.A. now is what's called criminal tourism, where you got hooligans okay. coming up here from South uh, South America and robbing Beverly Hills and Brentwood places. And, oh, wow. Yeah. 
Pretty well, see, hell of a state. I guess I was looking at it the other way, where maybe they were acting as uh, tip off. Hey, don't don't burglarize this area. We're patrolling it, or maybe they would just go in the other. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. Since they were affiliated with the game, that's that's a movie right there. I don't want my sheriff to be a member of the executioners. No, no, that'd be no, bad. No. Well, the LA, LA Sheriff Sheriff's Department has often had a reputation of being mm-hmm. a little, uh, a little cowboyish. The, out, cowboyish, perfect. Thank yeah, you. I couldn't yeah. uh, think wow. of how to say it. So, uh, and students in St. Paul Public Schools will have to continue to wear masks in class after the school board voted <laughs> why three, three to two Tuesday to maintain its indoor mask mandate. Board Chair Jim View and Vice Chair Jennifer Cobb voted in favor of a resolution that would have allowed district officials to drop masking requirements in schools starting Monday. But board members Chantel Allen, Uriah Ward, and Hala Henderson voted against the measures. Uh, board members Janelle Foster and Zuki Ellis were absent during Tuesday's board meeting. Yes. Read the, the uh, read the names of the school board members who voted for the kids to wear masks. To wear masks? Yes. That would be Chantel Allen. Stop. Uh-huh. You should know that name. I do. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, no. Pick me. Pick me. You in the back. Uh, it was the woman who was with the group at a restaurant. That's right. And she wanted the table cleaned. And she wanted to create out of whole cloth a racist incident, which was not the fact. And this is a woman deciding the fate of your children. Right. Yet. Tim Walls was at the Journey concert not wearing a mask, mm-hmm. but all the kids in St. Paul have to Why wear a mask. That dork went to the Journey concert? Sure did. Jeez. Uh, I so badly, uh, Chris posted this on Twitter, I so badly wanted to put, I don't really give a damn about the mask thing, but the fact that he has the bad judgment to go <laughs> right. to a Journey That's, concert. I agree with you. That worked, that oh, my me. God, you went to a Journey concert. John, you know who you probably sat next to? Uh-uh. Mackie. Was it Mackie, the guy that... That's right. He was a huge Journey fan. Huge Journey fan. What a collection of school board members that must be. By the way, how did, how did two board members get to miss Thank the meeting? Thank you. That's what I was just going to ask. Two out of seven. Just well, that's a grueling, uh, it's a grueling uh, job. Are they uh, still working from home? I have or is no that idea. just the city of St. Paul? I don't know who's back or what. I just You're defeated, are you? I am. I'm just <laughs> completely gone. Well, there's basically uh, very few large districts in the country, according to this story, that still requires uh, masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, some districts in Seattle and Portland dropped their mandates. And in Florida, of course, uh, DeSantis, he dropped his. And New York City schools have been mask optional since March 7th. And uh, at least one school in Chicago has begun again requiring masks because they have a surge in Chicago. Uh, I did see also a story in conjunction with this. Students in Seattle uh, staged a walkout Monday because they wanted to wear masks. Oh, for God's sake. Which, you know, I, uh, okay. I, you know. If we have another surge, it's going to happen. And if they institute more lockdowns, people are going to go insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like we're done with surges, though, from what they keep saying anyway. Can I share a quick email? You may. You may, may I share a quick you email? You may. I want to say it, too. This is from Chris <laughs> with the subject line, Rabbit Rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, Joe, I've been listening to you since I moved to Minnesota 16 years ago. Emailed you for the first time ever last week to recommend you listen to the rockin' version of There's a Hole in the Sky. Right. We played it on the show. I was amused to hear the podcast, and now less than a week later, I'm emailing you again. I am on the firefighting crew, shout out to Engine 4, that performed the rabbit rescue the other night. Really? I can assure cool. you that no unnecessary risk was taken to rescue the rabbit. <laughs> Good. After the fire was put out, two members of my crew were in the basement and happened to see the family pet, 
We feel terrible that the family lost so much that night, so it was nice to be able to at least get their pet back to them in good condition. If we can rescue a pet safely, we'll always make an attempt. Uh, We even carry animal oxygen masks for treating smoke inhalation. you got to be kidding me. But we will never risk human lives in the process. Wonderful. Thank you. So we had a guy there on the scene. Thank you, Chris. Blood there was cat? a story overnight where uh, there was there was a story overnight where there was a fire. Yeah. One dog saved, and we lost a dog. Oh. So again, same yeah. thing. I'm sure. You're gonna... Well, it'll happen. So, you know, you can get another dog. Happen. Wabbit rescue. Yep. <laughs> get another dog. That doesn't seem very. All uh, dogs are the same, nice, Joe. What? All dogs are well, the same. Well, not no, they're not. You're no. getting the wrong kind of dog if you think that. That is not my dog. Every, every dog I've ever had has a di- had a different personality. That is not my dog. <laughs> It's just not my dog. I thought you said your dog would not do that. Right. (laughs) Johnny, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for my friends at Hofferman Water. They are an independent water treatment dealer. They offer sales, service, and rental for Connecticut water treatment systems, including water softeners, iron rust and odor filtration systems, and, of course, drinking water systems. A new system from Connecticut can do so many things that other water softeners simply cannot. They will cut down on salt usage and protect all of your appliances. Trust me when I say bad water affects nearly every single aspect of your home. Your showers are better, your laundry is better, not to mention your drinking water. And another underrated aspect of this, a brand new state-of-the-art Connecticut water treatment system helps the resale value of your home. Please get in touch with my friends at Hoffman Water today. I had my Connecticut system installed years ago and it has made an amazing difference in the quality of my water. Call them today for that free water analysis. 952-894-4040 or you can just visit them online today at HoffermanWater.com. Hoffman Water, proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. Everyone is going mad in March trying to narrow the field down to 16 and then 4. This is Patrick Racy for the Canopy Group, and they have their Savory 16. The Canopy Group has 16 different insurance companies giving options to provide you the best home and auto insurance coverage at the best price. At the Canopy Group, their tournament never ends. They continue to use their 16 different companies to match you with the company providing the best coverage at the best price, and they do this annually. Get in the game. Contact the Canopy Group and get them working on your brackets. Bracketology is not foolproof for home and auto insurance. The sure bet is on the Canopy Group, saving you an average $810 on your home and auto insurance. That's every year. Call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. Aviation experts are puzzled about the crash of that Chinese airliner. Yeah. yeah. Apparently that literally straight up in the air vertical going nose in is a difficult position to get in. And they're wondering how in the hell that happened. Well, that's why we were speculating that it was intentional the other day. And we were wondering, I was wondering, whether one would become peaceful or not. Yeah. Well, here's what some guys do while we're doing a podcast. This is from Keith Olson, Master Sergeant, United States Air Force, retired Terry Montana. Hail the flashlight, King. Hail, Hail you. One blustery late January afternoon, I departed Grand Forks Air Force Base, located near Grand Forks in the northern Dakota Territory. We were leaving a, for a trip to All Udeed Air Base, Qatar, aboard one of my beloved KC-135R Stratotankers. 
My old jet refuels other jets that are properly equipped while flying. This allows the receiving the receiver aircraft to pack on the maximum amount of cargo and still take off. Then once airborne, they can be refueled uh, as many times as crew endurance will allow to get the mission done. As an extreme example, after 9-11, the B-2 Spirit Bombers would launch from me. Uh, would launch from and recover back to their home station outside of Kansas City while making a bombing run over Afghanistan. This took multiple visits to some sort of air refueling tanker to accomplish this long Michigan mission. We probably had somewhere north of 18,000 gallons of jet fuel, at least 25 fellow uh, airmen, not including the air crew, plus all of our bags and gear. The wind was howling bad enough that you couldn't tell if it was snowing, blowing, or a combination of the two. It was late afternoon, so the temps were in the single digits with a wind chill in the negative teens or 20s. The crosswind was so bad we sat on the parking spot longer than necessary, then taxied out to the runway hold line and sat there for an extended period of time. Finally, the pilot swung out onto the active runway but stopped and waited again. Suddenly, he throttled up and released the brakes, and we started lumbering down the runway. The reason we were waiting was due to the bad crosswind that was higher than the safe limits. When they dropped below the limit, the pilot took the opportunity. We finally lifted off, and after about 1,000 feet of elevation, the left wing dipped and the whole aircraft slipped down. I was sitting on the aircraft right side and was looking out the overwing hatch door window on the aircraft left side. That window is one of the two small windows aft of the cockpit. I remember seeing the ground starting to get bigger as the aircraft slipped out of the sky. (laughs) Thankfully, the pilot was the squadron commander of one of the flying squadrons. Since I am writing this email, he was able to collect the jet, (laughs) get it it leveled out, and we resumed the climb. I do remember a serene peace for that couple of seconds, and my first thought was, God, if I'm going to end up dying, just make the fireball big enough so I go quick. It was kind of funny how fast one comes to that point. I wasn't really scared. This may have been due to the short time frame before the pilot righted the aircraft, but it is a common thought up to the guys and gals that keep the venerable old tanker in the air. In fact, I think I have been more shook up at the near misses I have had out on the roads than what happened at the start of that flight. A few weeks later, I ran across the pilot in line to either drop off or pick up our laundry and confirmed that he was the pilot I deployed with. When he confirmed that he was, I thanked him for the takeoff. I got the feeling from his reaction it might have been a bit hectic up front when he saved the jet. Wow. Cheers, Keith D. Olson, Terry Montana. Holy crap. That's what he was doing while we were doing a podcast, probably. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And now, only because they come to us. Wait a minute, one second. So then you you might be right. Yeah. What you said yesterday. Yeah. I guess you'd have to be in that situation to find out, which I I don't want to find out. I don't don't want to be in it. I I don't really either. (laughs) But holy cow. Only because they come to us all all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans. Just think, we get our This Day in History in Minnesota from South Africa. Right. See, that's why we do this. (laughs) It was on this day. March 23rd. In 1823, Henry A. Swift was born in Ravenna, Ohio. He would serve as governor for six months during the Civil War, succeeding Alexander Ramsey, who left office for the U.S. Senate. Swift died on Feb 25, 1869 in St. Peter. It was on this day in 1860. March 23rd. Convicted of poisoning her husband, Stanislaus Belonsky, 
uh, Anne Bolonsky was executed in St. Paul. Bolonsky would be the only woman and the first white person to be legally executed in the state, although serious doubts about her guilt still persist. Huh. Why, why did she poison her husband? We don't know. Mm. Uh, did they hang her? I wonder how they executed her. I don't Doesn't know. say. No. Yeah. A lot of info hmm. on that story. It's this day in history. Got it. On this day in 1971, <laughs> March 23rd, uh, Minnesota was among the first states to ratify the 26th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which gives U.S. citizens 18 years of age or older the right to vote in local, state, and national elections. Both Minnesota and Delaware claim to be the initial actor in this important issue, although one Minnesota legislator who voted against Ratifying calls his state's role a dubious pleasure. Ratification by the necessary number of states would be completed later in the year. And finally, on this day in 2002, wait, 20 years ago, March. Wait, I think I know. Uh, no, wait, was it, does this have to do with contraction? No. No, okay. The University of Minnesota Gophers wrestling team won their second consecutive National Collegiate Athletic Association National Championship. Wow. You know, uh, it's a shame what happened to him as a coach because every time Royce had John Anderson in studio, I don't care if you're a wrestling fan or not, it was always a fascinating conversation. John Anderson's the baseball, the baseball coach. coach. Oh, I'm sorry, coach. who am I thinking of? Yeah. Why am I th- The guy who didn't have capital letters for his name. Uh, the old wrestling. I got to look it up. Yeah, you're right. John Anderson is the baseball coach. And uh, Anne Bolansky, by the way, was hung. Oh, she was hung. The the only woman ever hung in Minnesota history. I'll be damned. Wrestling. Jay Roberts or something. Jay, like yeah, that? Jay Robinson. Jay Robinson. Robinson. Was that right? Why is he no longer the coach? Well, they had that little scandal with uh, some of the players dealing drugs. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when he would come in studio, John, you always enjoyed those conversations yep. too. Oh right yeah. Now. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, GLers. Yes, thank you very much. I put a scree- I should have issued the screeching car crash sounder. I apologize for that. Hey, uh, GLers, do us a favor. I mentioned this earlier, but subscribe to the Garage Logic YouTube channel for us if you would be so kind. We are posting daily content for your viewing pleasure on the GL YouTube page. And you can also see all of our work on all of our social media channels Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you could also visit the online shop at garagelogic.com. We would appreciate it, and we'll catch you tomorrow.